PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by Therapy Source. Therapy Source is a therapy practice management software solution used by the majority of all large physical therapy chains in the U.S. It is a scalable solution for small clinics with integrated electronic medical records, scheduling, registration, clinical documentation, billing, and revenue cycle management. For more information, visit www.sourcemed.net. Welcome to PTJ's The Bottom Line for April 2010. I'm Donovan Stutel, along with Dave Carvoisier. Bottom Lines translate the findings of selected research articles for clinical practice. Bottom Lines are not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the original articles. The Bottom Lines for the April 2010 issue of PTJ were written by Dr. Eric K. Robertson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. Our first Bottom Line summarizes... Effects of a six-week individualized supervised exercise program for people with bleeding disorders and hemophilic arthritis by Dr. Ruth Mulvaney, Dr. Audrey Zucker-Levin, Dr. Michael Jang, Catherine Joyce, Janet Tuller, Jonathan Rose, and Dr. Marion Dugdale. First, what problems did the researchers set out to study and why? Individuals with bleeding disorders often develop orthopedic problems, including severe arthritis, as a result of joint hemorrhages. These individuals have reduced levels of physical activity, which also increases the risk for degenerative joint changes. Exercise may improve functional status and reduce the risk of disease progression in individuals with bleeding disorders. But the evidence regarding the design and efficacy of exercise programs is very limited. The researchers set out to describe the feasibility, design, safety, and effectiveness of a professionally designed exercise program for individuals with bleeding disorders. Who participated in this study? The study included 33 patients between the ages of 7 and 57 years with mild to severe bleeding disorders. The cohort represented a typical sampling of individuals with bleeding disorders. The group had a range of hemophilic arthritis severity and some participants had previous orthopedic surgery and multiple comorbidities. Some patients were on prophylactic factor replacement to prevent bleeding episodes. The subjects were excluded if, one, they could not regularly attend the exercise program, two, they had a history of a severe bleeding episode that prevented exercise, three, they had a surgical procedure in the six weeks prior to the trial, four, changes in their medication were made during the trial, or five, they had participated in any other form of exercise during the trial. What new information does this study offer? The trial demonstrated the safe and effective application of an exercise program for individuals with bleeding disorders. During the course of the trial, there were no occurrences of exercise-induced injuries, pain, edema, or bleeding episodes. Strength, total joint range of motion, and performance in the six-minute walk test improved during the trial, with the greatest improvements observed in people with the most severe joint dysfunction. What new information does this study offer for patients? Patients with bleeding disorders can look to this trial as evidence for the safety and effectiveness of a professionally designed and supervised exercise program to improve physical function. This information may help patients who have reduced activity levels due to fear of complications induced by exercise and to help form expectations about the positive benefits of such programs. How did the researchers go about this study? 
the researchers designed a twice-weekly, six-week exercise program that included components of strength, flexibility, and aerobic conditioning exercises. The strength training was progressed through three levels of intensity, 40 to 75% of maximal isometric strength determined by handheld dynamometry based on tolerance to activity and lack of adverse events. Exercises were performed in pain-free ranges. Outcome measures included upper and lower extremity strength, joint range of motion, joint circumference, and performance on the six-minute walk test. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? This trial provides guidance to physical therapists on designing an exercise program for individuals with bleeding disorders. The trial suggests that careful monitoring of the patient's medical condition and supervised exercise performed in pain-free ranges can safely improve strength, range of motion, and functional mobility. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? This preliminary study used a convenient sample of patients and pre- and post-measures, thus volunteer bias may be present. Results may be different in a randomized, controlled trial. Finally, a single, very experienced physical therapist designed the programs and performed testing. Application of this exercise protocol may lead to different results among various subgroups of patients with bleeding disorders. Further research is needed to determine the effects of exercise on specific parameters, such as gait and pain. Our last bottom line summarizes muscle activation and perceived loading during rehabilitation exercises. Comparison of dumbbells and elastic resistance by Dr. Lars Anderson, Christopher Anderson, Dr. Ola Mortensen, Dr. Otto Paulson, Inger Bjornlin, and Dr. Meta Zebes. What problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? High-level resistance training is a key component of many rehabilitation programs. Strength training effectiveness depends on the level of muscle activation achieved through application of the proper training intensity. Many traditional resistance training devices are not feasible for home programs, and there is a lack of information about how the more user-friendly exercise methods load muscles. Thus, the researchers set out to compare the level of muscle activation and perceived loading achieved during dumbbell exercise with that of elastic band resistance. Who participated in this study? Sixteen healthy adult women without serious musculoskeletal pathology served as subjects for this trial. What new information does this study offer? There was no significant difference in normalized electromyographic activity of the prime muscles between dumbbells and elastic resistance exercise. Perceived loading was moderately to very strongly related to electromyographic activity. What new information does this study offer for patients? Patients may choose to use elastic bands as a more user-friendly form of strength training as part of their home programs. This trial also provides information that patients can accurately rate their muscle activation by using a scale that measures perceived loading during exercise. This information can help patients to maximize the effectiveness of rehabilitation programs. How did the researchers go about this study? The researchers tested three exercises, lateral shoulder raise, wrist extension, and shoulder external rotation to examine the difference between two resistance training devices, dumbbells, 2 to 7.5 kilograms, and elastic bands, TheraBand red to silver resistance. The order of the exercises was randomized for each individual and three repetitions were performed. 
Immediately following the three repetitions, the participants rated their perceived loading using the Borg CR10 scale. During data analysis, the electromyographic activity recorded during the three repetitions was normalized to previously assessed maximal voluntary isometric contractions. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? This study suggests that physical therapists can confidently assign home programs using elastic bands and a rating system using perceived loading via the Borg CR10 scale to effectively load target muscles in a similar fashion to dumbbells. What are the limitations of the study? The study design may not have captured all the differences that may exist between dumbbells and elastic bands. For example, elastic bands provide resistance that increases linearly with the stretch of the band, whereas dumbbells provide isotonic resistance throughout the range, and this might impact strength training. In addition, the results may not generalize beyond the muscles investigated. Some measurement error exists when using surface electromyography versus fine needle electromyography. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.